We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All systems are good. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van RVD and CVV. Always so good to see you. Dude, of course. Thank you for coming by. Hey, you know, welcome to Vegas. Thank you. This is my hometown, has been for a few years now. Yeah, how long have you lived here? Um, It has been three years now. And uh, it's, it's, uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, One of the things that I love is that uh, everything seems so close. Unless you're way out in Henderson, which a lot of people prefer. Mm -hmm. But to me, I'm so spoiled now that if I have to go to Henderson, it almost feels like going from the South Bay to North Hollywood in L.A., except for that obviously takes three hours in traffic. And this is more like 20 to 25 minutes. And I bitch about that (laughs) because it's that good here. Anyone who follows you on Instagram knows you're loving life in las vegas like it's just pools full of bikini babes well if, if they're even wearing bikinis what do you want me to say you're got, like you're I like correct. that is accurate i got a good tan <laughs> <laughs> when when did that become part of who you are or when did that start to become of the law become the lore of rob van dam um it's it's not that's what's funny when fans say what happened to rvd you know and it's not very many but you know you're not famous if you don't have some haters, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so those comments, uh, you know, I'll come across them and they stand out because they're different than everyone else. You know, everyone's like, uh, oh, dude, fuck yeah. That, you know, that's why I'm your fan. I, I wish I wish I could be you. And then there'll be, if, if one, you know, is something else, you know, that says, you know, uh, you know, let, uh, be saved by Jesus. You know, you're going on the wrong path. But it's going to stand out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway... Um, I, I mean, definitely, um, showcasing it has been since Katie Forbes, Yeah, you know, for sure. And, uh, she's, she's a party girl, you know, she's fun and, uh, she's, she's awesome. And, and together, uh, we, we make such a good couple cause we're both open and honest as much as, as we can be. And, you know, of course I've, uh, taught her a lot because I have more life experience than her. Um, but that's something, you know, that, uh, um, that, that, that's cool. But we, it was in, uh, we went on a Cardi B cruise. Katie loves Cardi B, which if you've ever seen a Cardi B video and seen anything that Katie posts, then you shouldn't be surprised because yep, yeah, yeah she, sense. she loves shaking her ass and it makes her happy. So I'm happy that she's happy. And, um, <laughs> we were, we we saw Cardi B in Miami when we went before the cruise. And then the next night she was on the cruise and we were in, on the boat, you know, so it was, it was pretty cool. And this really big producer dude, um, Q, I believe is his name. He's like, he produces, um, someone that, that, that was making the stallion, I think. But anyway, one of those girls that's in that, in that clique that was, anyway, he, he was as a fan, you know, he VIP'd me and told nice. me to come down and hang out in his, uh, jacuzzi. And we were, and it was just loaded with all these girls shaking their asses and stuff. And uh, we posted a video of that that went viral. And that's when I learned how much impact followed our social media because then impact started writing that kind of stuff into the script, stuff about that or stuff about our friend Jennifer. And, uh, and it's specifically, you know, putting stuff on there that nobody would know unless they follow us on social media. So I guess... 
Impact thought that that was a fair amount of their audience. I think this is the first time I've seen you without Katie by your side in like three years, maybe. Yeah. Right? Yeah, probably so. Like you guys are inseparable. Uh, you know, yeah, we are. But you're in our hometown, so she has like normal appointments today, right. you know, and yeah. this is one of my appointments. So uh, unfortunately, no Katie um, for you till I get back. <sighs> Man. Katie for me. Okay, well, tell her I say hello. Yeah, will do. She's very famous in her world. You're very famous in your world. Who do you think gets recognized more when you guys go out? Uh, I do. I mean, if you mean, I totally get recognized um, more. I'm not sure that I get looked at more. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> A lot of times what will happen is we'll be walking together and then eyes will first go to her. And we all know, we notice that. And then, uh -huh. and then a second later, they'll be like, RVD? You know, hey. You know, that's usually how it happens. Since I've seen you last year, now a WWE Hall of Fame inductee. Congratulations. Thank you. Can't believe you didn't wear the ring. Yeah. You know, it's something that uh, I'm not used to wearing, so it gets in the way. You know, like, when I hold doors open for people or whatever, I use my knuckles. It's just, uh, I think it's a germ thing. I've just always done that. With that ring on there and you hit a glass door, it's like, it feels like I'm going to break it. Things like that. I actually took it off uh, when I was in my gym. And it's that's where it's at right now. And I realized a couple blocks after I left home, like, oh, I wanted to wear the, the ring for the podcast, but that's 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 it. But obviously, great honor, you know, um, don't know what else will come of the relationship with myself and WWE, like even the merchandise that they make with me. I don't know about it almost ever until it's already out, you know, no way. It's always been that way. You know, like I, before I even started collecting action figures, I used to sign them from the fans. They bring it up to me. Like, Whoa, I haven't seen this one. That's cool. And then I, I just started like collecting and, and, and feeling like, um, well, I gotta get them all. Cause I have so many and I'm obsessive when I get into something, but, um, that's usually the way it is. There was a little bit of a conflict because I allowed, I gave a third party permission to make an RVD action figure. They're called Heels and Faces. They make really good work. Yeah, like really authentic look. Yeah, yeah. And, and I didn't know that WWE was doing anything with me, but at San Diego Comic-Con earlier in the year, the virtual whatever they had, um, Faces and um, Heels and Faces made their announcement about my figure. And also Mattel was making an announcement the exact same day about an RVD figure. I had no idea. So WWE got a hold of me shortly afterwards and, and made me cancel the first one, you know, which is understandable via, sure. you know, but um, I, I just don't know. So, you know, when people ask, you know, are you going to be in this video game? I'm going to try. I have, <laughs> I have very little to do with being in the game, but they're just using my yeah. likeness. Yeah. Do, do you think you have any more matches left in you? Um, I definitely have matches in me. I don't know if they'll be in WWE or not. You know, I yeah. think, um, I think probably because why not at the same time, um, maybe there is a why not that I don't know about. So who knows? You know, I go with the flow. I kind of um, feel like if there was a why not, you would know about this. Why not? You would know like that there was heat there or there, there was a problem there, but it depends on where there is at the top. No, yeah. somewhere along the lines, Possibly. Mm, you, we we're talking about this splash at Survivor Series 2002 on a Triple H. Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Not specifically. I, I wasn't even thinking about that move. Um, I'm just saying that um, all along throughout throughout anything, I've kept in touch with Vince, and I, and I know we have a good relationship, you know. And, yeah. um, specifically with uh, when uh, certain, certain things happened, um, you know, there was a... Um, there was something nobody really knows about. There was it was thrown around. It got back to me that um, Carano had said that I was part of the concussion suit again, you know, against WWE. Yep. Complete bullshit. And uh, and it offended me. It also seemed at the moment to stop me from being able to do something that I wanted to do. And anyway, um, um, 
I forgot what I was talking about, dude. Talking about you were concussions. T- <laughs> no, you were talking about how there wasn't. A, that was ironic. That you were talking about concussions, and then you forgot. Right? No, I know wow. I was talking about Corona, but I don't. I don't remember why. Like, what, what, I don't remember what my point. <laughs> but was. then you realized that there wasn't an issue with Vince. Oh, right. Exactly. Like, yeah. This. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like very shortly around there. You know, I talked to him. Didn't even mention anything. You know, um, but I just said, you know, back to that guy. That's obviously he could check and see how hard is that to find out, and yeah, you know, but. Um, but speaking of, uh, concussions, uh, the movie that I made headstrong, I probably mentioned on the show before yep. I had it on Amazon prime. Um, it has been, uh, sold to reels TV. Oh, it's amazing. Channel. Congrats. They're going to be showing it November 13th. They're going to, you'll see promotions coming up real soon, uh, for that. You know, they got a bunch of bites uh, leading up to us. So pretty cool. And, um, that's uh, something that the the just the the agent that made that happen, you know, this is part of a of a of a bigger plan overseas and stuff. So pretty stoked about it. Yeah, that's uh, great. That's great distribution too. Yeah, and as far as concussion awareness goes, that's something that you know, obviously, I, I learned to throw myself even more into uh, since I made the the movie. Because at first, I was like, eh, I don't want everyone seeing me vulnerable, yeah, and you know, yeah. and there was you know rumors went out that. Um, the WWE had told me I could never wrestle for them again because of concussions. And at, most people believe that that was true. And I, I usually hardly ever feel obligated to correct people, you know, when they're wrong, because people just talk so much, you hear everything, you know, but you know, I've never talked to WWE about any concussions. And that was just some bullshit that someone pulled out of some divorce papers when, you know, the evil ex was being really nasty. She was saying, by the way, at the time on paper that I was faking the double vision that I had, you know, which which is documented throughout the whole uh, movie of Headstrong. I had double vision. I, um, dude, I had to get, I had to go to the neurologist and had to get the, uh, the CAT scans, the MRIs. And I probably already told you about all this in a previous interview, right? But, but all that. And at the same time, uh, uh, my evil ex to get, uh, to get more money was saying I should be out there uh, working full time like I did. Back in 2003, said in her money. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So anyway, someone pulled that out and it got out there. And then, of course, people think it's true because it's on the Internet. Yeah. Everything on the Internet is true. Of course. of course. But in all seriousness, how much has weed and CBD helped your concussions? Well, you know, I'm only one factor. So how could I compare to, you know, like, what if I didn't smoke, you know? Um, yeah. But um, this one tiny little bump that I took in 2016, November of 2016. Um, it gave me double vision, uh, and my vision still isn't the same as it was before then, you know, it's, you know, but I'm also, you know, five years older. There's all kinds of factors. Um, it was so simple. It was just, it was like a weird Mexican arm drag, uh, Penta gave me. I doubt that he even knows that this happened unless he happened to see the movie. Cause I didn't tell anybody, you know, I, who it's whose fault is it? it's just me but it's just this really weird thing that i was a little apprehensive about before no 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 anyway it was just like a rolling thing you would never know but you see it in the movie where i stand up and i'm shaking my head like i'd done countless times before usually just yeah, shake it off it's an rvd trade belt. i have yeah. to but you know a lot of times uh, things are spinning sometimes uh they're going round and round uh this time it was double you know and, and i was like whoa and then it wasn't going away you know and i was like you know i even told the ref hey, i need a second and then after it felt like it was going to be awkward if i waited any longer i was like all right well i guess i'm gonna continue and uh hope that my vision will fit but it was after the match i still had it you know and then it, like i said it was like the better part of two years i had double vision and that was like a crazy thing to go through Thank God I had the cameras there and I documented the whole thing with, with Headstrong. And it's a movie that I know has helped a lot of uh, other people as well. But yeah, that's uh, that's something that 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 I went through. You know, it wasn't a very, very hard bump. That's why um, it's crazy, because over all the years I took all the all the other abuse, never had any lasting symptoms ever. And all my friends did. And whenever the conversation would come up, I'd be talking to my peers about, do you have any like permanent concussion damage? And everybody it seems like seriously like 90 percent at least of my peers would oh i see floaters or sometimes i have a ringing in my ears or or sometimes i just space out everyone has something headaches and i was always like wow you know i wonder if it's because 
I have such a high THC level if if that's why I don't have any any long lasting and I still think it probably helped me out or you know because it is amazing that I didn't have any until like November 12th 2016 yeah. and then boom just that one freakish thing and I learned so much about concussions way more than I ever wanted to yeah but one thing I learned that's uh it's probably debatable most people think one concussion makes you more vulnerable to another the more you have I've never felt that was true. And my neurologist, he also agrees with me and says no. And when he cleared me to wrestle, he even said if I got another concussion, it would have nothing to do with this one. It would be on its own. And I believe from my experience that that's the way it is. So you're cleared to wrestle now. You're, oh, yeah, yeah. You can work and a match I, tomorrow. I ha- Dude, I've wrestled so many times since since this this movie, yeah. But the well, last, sure, yeah. last match I had was uh, Impact, just, right? in September. No, I just had one in September at the oh. ECW Arena, September 18th. Or the 25th, both those dates sound right. But I teamed up with uh, D- uh, Bubba Dudley and I wrestled against Matt Hardy and his partner from uh, AEW. Um, he didn't really introduce himself, so I don't know his name. <laughs> but he's a black dude, does all these flips and stuff. And I think he works with Matt on the show. But um, but anyway, really nice kid. And uh, that was just recently. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I do still wrestle sometimes, but since it's not on TV... You know, uh, not as many people are going to be privy to that fact. I think everyone thinks your last match was an impact last yeah, year. Uh, no. Um, the match I had before that was in uh, Wisconsin, which was uh, uh, right after I got inducted into the Hall of Fame. I had a match with uh, um, Ben McCoy, who's got this wrestling group going out there. And it's it was really cool because it was part of a fundraiser. Um, he, he's an Army vet that got his face blown off. And all of his peers uh, committed suicide, and it became important. He decided instead of killing himself, he was just going to live his dream, and he wanted to Love wrestle. Yeah. And we have a documentary of that all leading up to him being able to wrestle his hero, RVD, you know, and that's all part of it. And it was just, it was a really cool um, story, and it went off great. And I'm glad to be part of it. I, I don't think the documentary is finished yet. I haven't seen um, any anything close to the finished product yet, but super cool. And, uh, um and, and a great cause you know there's yeah there even since then you know this thing going on with afghanistan is like really really upset him a lot because he said that's where he lost his face that's where he lost a lot of his buddies and he said he worked so hard all of his friends worked so hard and we're getting women rights over there and stuff and then you know it kind of feels like boom yeah yeah i mentioned impact and i thought it was as a fan from the outside looking in it was so strange that you were doing stuff with impact and then you made a return to wwe during that how did you make this work? I'm the whole effing show. There <laughs> <laughs> we go. Send the show right, right there. That's it. Mic drop. No, but seriously, do you have to, who do you have to get approval from or um, who makes this happen? I, Paul Heyman reached out to me. I reached out to Scott DeMar. They gave me permission. You know, Paul handed it up and, you know, I'm not afraid to do something that's never been done before. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, yeah. I, I feel like as we're sitting here, it's almost the end of 2021. By the way, I was really hoping I was going to be able to wrestle. That's why I was totally in my gear yeah. and stuff. Like I thought I was going to run in and do something and jump up and do a frog splash. And that all changed at the very, at the last second. And I was oh. like, and then I was like really upset. And then I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's exactly what it's like being there. And then it made you go, oh, I'm, I'm kind of glad I'm an impact right now. Well, you know, it just, it was just like, uh, yeah, you get your hopes up and then you start compromising and you feel, you know, like, okay, am I going I got to make the most out of what I got here, you know, or am I going to let it bother me that, that I wanted it to be more, Yeah, you, you know, you get it. I get it. But maybe, maybe the Royal Rumble, maybe that's a spot where you can come in with a five-star frog Could splash. Be. Could be. That, knows. that feels like, that feels like it would make sense. To you for you to do a return at the Royal Rumble, but who knows? But no plans to share with you though at this point. Not yet. But I, I also feel like those are when like you might get the phone call like that Friday. That, that has happened before, and then ever since that did happen, there's certain friends that every year they swear I'm going to be in it, <laughs> and then they don't believe me <laughs> when I'm like, dude, I'm I'm booked like in a different part of the country. You know, I'll be over and 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 they're like, you wouldn't tell me if you were if you were if it was going to be a surprise. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. But fuck, it ain't. <laughs> At what point in your career do you feel like you started to embrace being Rob Van Dam? Like being who you, like the character. I feel like you're the character all the time. Um, 
it would be at some point in ECW because when I first went there, um, I was still very shy. Didn't want to be anywhere around the microphone. This is 96. Mm -hmm. I would run from the promo room and hope that Paul didn't drag me in there. Cause you know, I didn't, didn't know how to sell tickets with, uh, by, by, you know what I mean? Come and watch me because I'm going to do cool moves, you know? And that's, that's kind of like when I look back, you know, Scotty Anton, you're going to get a Van Terminator. My voice even sounded different. You know, it's like, it wasn't even mature yet. It's crazy. Is this why Bill Alfonso was brought in? I'm sure it was. It wasn't explained to me at the time, but knowing what I know now, I would have to (laughs) assume yes. So then did you finally just go, I got to embrace this. Like, this is who Uh, I am. you, You know, there was, yes. And then the more I did that, the more over I was getting. And then there was the night that I clearly crossed the line and became a superstar. And that was when I won the television championship from Bam Bam Bigelow. Mm -hmm. And Paul told me that the, the next show that we were at was in Queens, New York at the Elks Lodge. And just like always, I'm always trying to think of an advancement of my last cool move. You know, well, how can I take it a step further? And I, I wanted to crotch Mikey Whipwreck on one guardrail. The, the the guardrails going down to the ring from the dressing room that separate the fans. Crotch him. And then I wanted to, of course, have Fonzie hold a chair over his face. I wanted to go from the other the crowd on the other side, springboard off the guardrail, jump all the way across, you know, the walkway, bam, deliver a flying sidekick. I was like, What do you think, Paul? Ran it by him earlier when I was sitting there thinking about it, and he said, I think it doesn't matter what you do tonight. Those people are going to love you. That is such a good Paul Heyman. Yeah, I didn't know what he meant. I was just like, okay, whatever. I had no idea what he meant, you know, but I clearly had crossed the line. And the, the reaction that I got from that moment on was just totally different. It was, to- I don't know why it was like all of a sudden, like, bam, I felt legit. Like I was a superstar that gave me the confidence to say, Hey, being myself, what I'm doing is working. You yeah. Know? So that's Paul basically saying to you, you're over no matter what you do. And he was over. right. He was yeah. right. It was totally the reaction from the crowd that confirmed that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You can't think of ECW without thinking of RVD. So this is going to be difficult, but I'm going to put you on the Mount Rushmore of ECW. Who are the other three faces that should be up there, in your opinion? Sabu. Okay. Mm. Hey, hey, hey. Of course, there's so many guys, you know, that it's hard to decide between Dreamer, Sandman, and Taz, uh, Raven. Um Let's put Taz up there. Okay. And uh, before you, before you, you, any more honorable mentions before we list our final person? Maybe Rhino, Rhino, 
Mike Austin did Mike Austin right as a candidate, but you know, I feel like he came in there after me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think about, you know, like Sabu dreamer, those guys like were there since the beginning. And so I kind of feel like they have a deeper foundation in it. Yeah. Kind of more grandfathered or, or, or godfathered in. I don't know. Yeah. So, but you know, obviously whatever I say is going to be um, a good answer. So RVD, Sabu, Taz, and his dreamer. Is Paul, is Paul, Paul's not an option. I mean, right? yeah, like he'd have to be, right? Well, he's just kind of without, without Paul Heyman, there's no ECW. Right. So I think we just go, of course, Paul Heyman's there. So maybe it's just performers. In that case, then it would be really hard. But I would, uh, if Dreamer's not up there already, I would go with him. And yeah. there it is. I mean, honorable mention to uh, <laughs> Sandman, Raven. Uh, well, you can go on and on and say, yeah. what about the Eliminators? Yeah. What about these guys, that guy? But I'm trying to think of who's been there the longest and who's had the most impact on the company. And yeah. it's a pretty good, a pretty good uh, three or four, but I'd rather be able to put six on probably. Yeah. I, I, you really can't argue with any of the names you just listed. There've been a lot of people who've been making comparisons from AEW to ECW. Do you think that those are fair? Is there anything that's similar between ECW and AEW? There is. Um, I would. What I think is similar is that they're pushing the envelope like we did, and they're doing it in a way where the fans think it's cool. Mm-hmm. So that's what I really liked about ECW. I felt like, man, if everybody just watch watch this, if they just caught it flipping the channels. A lot of people are, are going to just get sucked in because what you're watching is so different. I feel like AEW is trying to be the, the the different for now, which is hard because there's so many different groups. And even WWE has, is more of a hybrid than it used to be. Now it's more of a combination of that plus everybody that they've absorbed up, you know. And, of course, most of these guys grew up uh, watching me and – and so because of that, they're, they're more ECW-like in the, in the fact that they want to be extreme and, and do extreme moves and stuff. So, uh, I, so in that matter, you know, I, I say, yeah, it couldn't be the exact same way that it was then. It has to be different for, for now, different than what we've seen in Cool. And, yeah. you know, they're, they, they're kind of, I think they're seen as that by their fans for yeah. sure. At the height of your career in ECW, did WCW ever try to pluck you? The height of my career in ECW. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a pretty well-known story. When I went to a show that they had at Savannah, Georgia, I was living in the town and I went to see, I believe it was Louis Spicoli. Um, Scotty Riggs was also a friend of mine. Maybe it was both of them. I went there um, and ended up having a conversation with Eric Bischoff. Um, at, at the time, and he was telling me that uh, he uh, that he he saw me. He, he he gave me details. You know, he said, "I you know I'd like to see here. I see you being on a three year progressive contract, starting at this to this to this, and boom, boom, boom." And I was like, "Uh, okay." And he was like, "Yeah, think about it. Let me know." And then it was right after that that it got out, and everybody thought that I was going to be leaving, and, and then that's where the whole Mr. Monday Night angle came from because um, while considering that, Paul ended up sweetening the pot, you know, making my position a lot stronger there because I'd been left off their first pay-per-view, but now he was going to be centering the whole company around me in my situation of being wanted by the other groups. So yeah. that was the whole Mr. Monday Night thing. Uh Everyone thinks I'm going to WCW, but instead I went to WWF and I uh, was trying to do everything at the same time. When you were in ECW and there were all these big names that kept leaving, mostly usually for WWF at the time, what was the feeling like amongst the boys? Were they like, congrats, way to go? Or it was like, I can't believe you're leaving us. Um, for me, I think it was more the la- the latter, you know. Looking at it now, at this age and this much experience, you know, you never know what someone else is going through. You never do. But um, at times we're, you know, even though we're ignorant of that, we've, we're judgmental. And, and I think that I was feeling more like, man, how are you guys going to give up? Because I wasn't going to give up. I didn't understand how they could feel different because I just thought, 
you know, the answer is to blow ECW up so we don't have to go anywhere else. And, yeah. And I thought that was possible. Yeah. yeah. Because there were so many big names. Like, I remember when Taz left, and I, fe I felt like there was part of the crowd was happy for him, and then the other part of the crowd was like, I can't believe you're leaving. This sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Again, you know, he had his family, his wife, all kinds of stuff. You know, even when a lot of the guys had checks bouncing and stuff, um, mine weren't. And, yeah. and I don't think that, uh, that I really thought about how, how much pressure that, that would be to be having kids that depend on you feeding them and your wife and all these bills and, and actually, um, you know, worrying about if you're going to make it and you got an offer over your head. So, you know, now it's a lot easier to understand, but I think at yeah. the time I just looked at it like, come on, man, we're soldiers. We don't give up. <laughs> And you had a real loyalty to Paul Heyman, too. I did. But I was also generous. The more I think about it with the guys, you know, whenever I could help them out, I always did, you know, because I felt like we all were there earning together. Yeah. So in different ways, I tried to keep everybody going, uh, you know, that I cared about when I could. So, um, but, you know, it, it obviously wasn't meant to be. And that was just one of uh, many mistakes that I've made at this point. You consider it a mistake, them. really? Um, no, I yeah. don't. I don't, but the belief that it was going to take off obviously was a mistake. You know, the belief that, you know what, once we get on a national TV channel. Which you were, TNN. Boom, yeah. right. And I thought in my mind, all of a sudden we're in all these different homes. And I also thought they were going to promote it. I thought we we're going to be on the sides of buses going through downtown, you know, telling people about us. Yeah. Eyes are going to be pointed our way. And that's all we need because we're so fucking cool, you yeah. know. And, and, and that's, I, I believed that it was going to take off. Do I think that was a mistake in retrospect? Sure. I mean, but you didn't know how TNN was going to view you guys. No, of like, course not. They loved roller derby more than pro wrestling, <laughs> which is crazy. I, I, and, and going through it again, you know, I wouldn't have changed it. I yeah. wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have jumped ship. That's part of who I am. You know, my, as you said, it's part of my real character in real life mm -hmm. as much as it is the uh, wrestler. Yeah. RVD. But 30 plus years now in the business, congrats, by the way, that's yeah, incredible. Yeah. What would you go back 30 years ago and tell year one, Rob Van Dam? Hmm. That's a good question. So back when I'm just, breaking just, in. just breaking in. I think it would be. A behavioral improvement that I could see, you know, when you self-criticize inside your mind and stuff. And now, like, I'm so open and honest. I like I you're not going to catch me in a lie. You're just not. I don't lie. You know, I don't lie anywhere. People that and this is for me, like the reason I even state that some people don't believe it. Some people say as soon as someone tells you they're honest, you know, they're lying to you. OK, if you feel like that, you and I are not like minded. You would not follow RVDology, my ways of life. And I wouldn't recommend that everybody does because it doesn't make you popular. It doesn't make you understood. But for me, it totally works. I love my life and I have certain ways, you know, and, and I'm starting to share some of those on, on my YouTube channel real soon. I'm just learning the production end of it and stuff. <clears throat> but um, so I think that starting out, I was just too defensive you know, and, and then I couldn't admit, um, what was, what was obvious. So my first year when people referred to me as being green, I totally took it as an insult. I'm not green. Fuck you. I'll show you how green I am. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe that can be, maybe you can find some silver lining and having that fire, this or that. I'm better than these guys have been working 10 years. You know, they're not going anywhere. They're wrestling for themselves once a year on these you know, the, their shows that they promote, you know, and, yeah. and, and I got that from Sabu. He was my mentor for the first several years, whatever he said, boom, you know, that would go. But just now I, I think, you know, of course I was green. I was just starting out. How could I have not been? I think life in general could have been a little less awkward if, if way back then, if I could have had um, more connection, well, it's really a connection with the universe and it's a spiritual thing, but I think it would start with, self-awareness and being open about that you know yeah i was always so self-protective dude even when i was like 
26 or something in there. It was, I don't know exactly, but it was like 97. So yeah, um, I wrote about this. Sorry, I got um, congestion. No, we, there's going. actually a, there's a cough button here. Look, you can hold that oh, okay. down when you cough. Great, I'm going to yeah. do that <laughs> a lot. Um, I did this movie, um, and I wrote about this on my Instagram and, and shit. And, um, it's called Blood Moon, right? I just started like an ECW, um, and, and this was my second action movie to do. I was like super excited. There's a scene, uh, well, one of my only scenes, but it's a scene where my character is introduced in a bar and I'm supposed to be a former tough man contest winner. Uh, it's my bar and I'm trying to bang this bitch on a pinball machine. Right. And he wanted me to take her bra off, you know, and I'm making out with her and this killer comes in, boom, we fight. Mm. Right. I didn't know how to take her bra off. And I, I didn't have the, the honesty or the, uh, whatever it is I didn't have, I had too much fucking defense. Uh, it's almost to, pride to admit you know? that maybe yeah, yeah, in a bad way, I think now, but yeah, it's, it's like a stubborn, we had to go take after take after take. And they even tried, you know, he was like, Hey, you, you know, let me, uh, maybe you guys look at, Oh, I got it. Let's go. Uh, you know, I, uh, you know, my finger hurt, whatever. I was just, you know, and again, I blame Seb. <laughs> cough hey good job yeah dude except for everyone down in their uh third floor heard me but um it, that was something you know that uh i wish i could know what i don't know all right i'm very good at that right now i know what i don't know if you ask me a question and i don't know it i'm gonna be like uh that's a question for my accountant or you need to talk to my so-and-so i have no idea and and that's what I lacked. There's a power there in being able to say, I don't know, instead of trying to convince someone that maybe you know this. Exactly. So that's what I would tell myself 31 years ago, dude, know what you don't know and, um, you know, apply that. That's your first, uh, first lesson of RVDology. I love it. Do, are, are there any more lessons of RVDology that you want oh, to share with tons, us? Dude. Give us one more. Okay. Everybody has their own values. Um, almost every single conflict, and I, and I also believe there's no absolutes, which means there's always exceptions. But having said that, we're not going to point out the exceptions because they don't follow the rules, right? Sure. But everybody has their own values. Every conflict is because of a mismatch of values and uh, a, a void of respect for the other's values, whether we're talking about wars, whether we're talking about animals eating smaller animals, anything that happens, you know? And so for me, like, uh, it, it's easy for me to understand, you know, um, we had this conversation on the, on the way here, friend on the radio, not on the radio, on the phone, was talking to me on the, on the speaker about, uh, somebody that I don't even know his buddy. And he was talking about a situation where he, his buddy, um, caught his wife uh, banging this other guy, you know, and they were going to fight. And then she said that they didn't really uh, fuck. And so now, uh, so now they're going to go back together, you know? And my friend's like, oh, you know, and, and he's like, uh, you, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to take her back, you know, after that? And I'm like, dude, some guys like watching their wives bang other guys. I mean, I, I, it doesn't work for me, but I'm just saying that you don't know someone else's values that everything has its own importance and if he thinks, you know what, I think uh, I'll be able to deal with this and work it out because I love her enough, then who am I to judge that? You know, although I might be thinking, dude, you're always going to be thinking that when you're with her, it's going to come up over and over. I don't know that. I don't even know the guy. Yeah. But people that I do know, you know, it's like everyone has their own set of values. You know, if you and I were to go, Chris, how do you feel about the color blue? Yeah, I love the color blue. Dude, what if I fucking hate it? What yeah. a stupid thing. Dude blue is a fucking student you like blue blue sucks bro yeah now we're in first grade right yeah some adults never leave that state of mind it's true when i'm around other guys that's what it's like like in the locker room you know it's like dude what you think so-and-so is hotter than someone else we all have our own set of values and for me just knowing that and being okay with that and i'm not saying that i that someone could come up and hang out with me and tell me they're a child molester you know what i mean i uh, one, I'm still going to be judgmental by my own values. It's just that I know that I know that we all are, we all have, and since we all have our own values and do things for our own values, which are based on our own, uh, priorities, um, and other things because of that, we all do think that the way we do things is the best way to do them. 
And so much of it is perception. Like you say something and I perceive it a certain way and I go, well, RVD is really, he's a real dick to me. Mm -hmm. And you don't even realize that you're doing this. Sure. Absolutely. It's like, like uh, when you talk to someone with text, oh, there's the no worst. emotion because yeah. you don't know what they're saying. Yeah. Same thing. Uh, and also people translate and then they use different words. And I'm, I'm very, and I'm not perfect, but RVDology is a way of growing and wanting to improve. And I've been on this for years and I am growing and improving so much. I wouldn't go back two years. I wouldn't go back 10 years because right now I just feel like I'm at my best. I feel like I'm the best, the, the best me I can be. Are you writing a book? You're writing an RVDology <sighs> book? Oh, um, I hope so. Let me say yes, but yeah, say I, yes. Put it out to the world. I am, but it's not at a stage where I can say that it's really um, um, developing. I have a couple different different um, uh, angles and approaches to it. One of them was going through the WWE books, and believe it or not, they actually told my guy that I'd be doing it with that we'd be better off going somewhere else. Can you imagine that? No. What? That doesn't make any sense. I, you know. Maybe, is that a nice way of them saying, like, thanks, but no thanks? Well, I don't know. I mean, is it just one book guy? Because like I said before, I can call over his head and I, and I kind of feel like there'd be more of an interest. So maybe that's something, you know, maybe I'm being a little too honest, but that's what I do. Well, maybe, <laughs> but, the, maybe it's just a bio. Maybe it's an RVD bio that has RVDology in it. Well, no, the thing is, yes, this would be a, a book of uh, memoirs, and, and it, which okay. can be taken as my first attempt at an autobiography. And yeah. it is something that I'm doing. I just don't have any other details except for what I've shared with you. But, yeah. but I am, um, you know, part of me learning the production of streaming and all this stuff is, is going to be me being able to record. And, and part of that and hoping that I'll spend more time on it is going to lead towards, you know, me telling these uh, stories for this book. We'll come back to this clip in like three years when your book comes out. Cool. You we'll know, I've always said that any, anytime you go back in, in my career though, ever, and you ask about, am I going to do a book? I've always said, yes, mm -hmm. it's always been very important to me. Um, so important that it's that it's hard for me to just to just do you know and i've had meetings with book agents and uh publishers and different would-be writers over the years you know and thought about writing it all myself versus having a ghostwriter all kinds of stuff and it's been a learning experience and just like everything when it's the right time the universe is going to put it right in front of my plate and say here you go i love that yes sir what would you say is the one match most fans ask you about when you do signings Um, the one match would probably be when I beat John Cena at ECW one night stand mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. won the championship belts. Yeah. Yeah. Which if they ask me, I bring it up. If they ask me like what my favorite match was, you know, cause, um, with that match, it's, it's the first off the match itself was, you know, in my opinion, great. I loved, I loved the match, you know, obviously Cena's, you know, great. He was great with that crowd. The crowd was incredible. One of a kind crowd, like irreplaceable moment. One of a kind. So he did that. One of a kind. <laughs> Besides all of that, it's like, what was my story, my buildup going into that particular match? Everything since 96. Yeah. You know, maybe even before that, you know, if you yeah. want to add the history. So, so for those reasons, I mean, I was me. And all, every fan in that building, we were all fighting for what I believed in and, and in my heart and what got me all the way up to that point. And that's why they all wanted to see the match go the way it did and see Cena go down or they would riot. And a lot of uh, you know fans bring it up differently. A lot of times saying, I still remember that match, you know, when you beat Cena. Like, I hope you still remember it. But then again, they were only five when it happened. So that's cool. <laughs> what, was, what was the conversation with Cena like? backstage like he must have known what that crowd was going to be like he must have known what the reaction was going to be what were the conversations that you had before you went through the curtain i don't think anybody could have known exactly how that crowd was going to be you know first off to put that out there like i i didn't i knew for sure that was that was my home yeah, that, that was, was your crowd yeah. i knew that they were with me that was my building but i couldn't have predicted you know that they were going to feel so much that way. They were going to be like, no, fuck your t-shirt and throw it back. I mean, you see me laughing when you watch that. I thought that was funny and great. And I, what are the chances 
that a fan that could have a John Cena shirt because they're all real fans at heart. Yeah. Would do that. And then it does it. Boom. Second guy does it again. You know, third guy wipes his ass with it. You know, it's like, holy crap. Like, this is great. Like, I, I had no idea it was going to be like that. John knew that he was in for a rough night. He was going to get shit on a lot. He knew that. And um, he was just super cool. I really think he was looking forward to the match. I think that he had fun with it. I know I did. And I think that John was probably happy to be in that heel role, at least like for one time in his life, <laughs> because every other, you know, the reaction everywhere else was fairly similar at that point for him to go yeah. in there and be able to wrestle as a heel, I think was. Yeah, that was, I, I did see him get booed by the whole crowd before. And that was in, um, Wales. Um, and, uh, and that was like early in my WWE days. So I don't know, probably 2000 three or four seems like i don't know but um i i was shocked because i hadn't seen that before at that point and everyone <laughs> boo and then um he got on the microphone and uh he cut this promo he said you can boo me you can boo me yeah keep it up let's go you know he's like that's what we want man as long as you're screaming and uh you know and your voice and your opinion you're you know that means you're ready to go and they're ready for wrestling you know and he was like that's all we want. Either way you go, I want to make sure you're having a good time. So keep it up. He turned them and made me a much bigger fan of his at that moment. Wow. I was like, wow, he knows how to turn the whole crowd that hated him into loving him in, you know, two minutes. Wow. It's been so good hanging out with you, RVD. Thank you so much for coming by. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. I end every conversation with the same question, so I will ask it of you. Are we going to talk about RVD CBD? We, we will plug all of that at the end. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, that's those ventures. You know, I've always wanted to. I could talk about it for a second. Please, yeah, absolutely. I will hijack this airway. No, but what what I want to say is I've always wanted to educate and to make cannabinoids more accessible for people who could benefit from them. So having my own CBD line, and also in some states now. THC going is uh is is a great thing for me you know besides it even being yeah. a business just just being able to help all these people and getting all the feedback that I get that I'm making their lives better it's awesome so just like everything else uh good energy karma is real that's what I would say to the people that would be a lesson for me or anybody at any age you know uh karma is real so uh treat it with respect RVD CBD Where's the best way for people to get in touch with you? RVDCBD.com is the best way. And uh, we're growing. We're getting in different stores. Uh, CBDs are a small percentage of what marijuana dispensaries actually sell. But it's a, it's a bigger percentage outside of the marijuana shops. You know, sure. for people that don't want to actually use marijuana, CBD, you know, doesn't get you high. Um, it affects your uh, endocannabinoid system, much like marijuana does, except for not in the negative ways uh, that, that a lot of people want to avoid. So right. um, there's, there's over 100 cannabinoids in the plant. It's always been illegal for us to study it ever since uh, Mayor LaGuardia blocked it in, I think, 1941, I think, um, because he tested it and said everything's bullshit it's not dangerous it's not addictive there's no <laughs> kids aren't doing this in a menacing right so they blocked all future testing from it until now that it's quasi legal we're looking at it now we're able to use cbn and thca1 and all these other cannabinoids and finding out that um a lot of people don't need the pharmaceuticals that they've been uh, hooked up on for years yeah i love how passionate you are about this it's a good cause i mean it's it's something that i I've always paid a lot of attention to, so I know that a lot of people don't. They're paying attention to shit I don't. Part of being one of a kind is that I don't pay attention to half of the stuff that normal people do, yeah. which doesn't make me, like I said, it doesn't make me popular in, in that I never care about that at this point. You know, other things make me popular now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But I can't have a conversation with you about any sport because I don't watch any. Um, I only watch MMA sometimes, but I don't give a fuck about football. And, and not that I hate it or I'm not saying anything bad. I know nothing. Yeah. And it would be torturous for me to sit in front of a game with you, even if we're passing a joint back and forth, watching like a football or a baseball game. It's just, it's not my thing. Race cars, any cars, any cars. I can't tell you the difference between a, a Ford and a, and a Honda, a Dodge. I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, that's. There's, there's so many, many things. You want to talk about music? Forget it. I don't. Who, who do you know that doesn't listen to music? 
You don't listen to any music? I, I The only music I listen to is what Katie listens to. So it's usually hip hop. Um, sometimes I will put reggae on because I like the vibration. So uh, it, sometimes just for background energy, I will do that. But um, I other, that's as far as I go and I don't subscribe to it. I don't I don't dance to it. To me, that would be so weird. I never feel music and, and, and want to make those weird faces that people make when they're dancing, you know, like, mm, like, what is that? It's like, or, or they're like, oh, oh, what is that? You're like, I mean, it's performing. If you're RVD and you look at dancing, it's performing. Whether people realize it or not, they're performing and they're having fun doing that. I, I get enough performing the way that, that I do it, yeah. you know. And some people will dance on their own and in, in listen to music in their apartment by themselves. But still, if I think they're performing. I, I mean, yeah. they're practicing huh. performing. Huh. All right, I will get to the final question. Okay. And again, it's been such a pleasure to have you on here. I start and end every day with gratitude. I say out loud three things that I'm grateful for. Okay. What are three things in your life that you're grateful for today? I'm so grateful for Katie Forbes. and. Uh, I'm so grateful that the universe has worked out for me the way that it has and that it takes care of me. My relationship with the universe is something that I'm constantly growing and, and making stronger. Um, you know, I, I'm not perfect. I find my faults. Uh, my faults to me might not be my faults to you. Again, different set of values. Yep. You might think something's a fault that I'm actually proud of, but I'm always working on myself and, um, the it's been very rewarding and i and i'm thankful that uh the universe uh has brought me somebody that is my very best friend uh uh an incredible bond that i've never had with anybody that just uh is is so real that i know i'm never going to allow anybody in between us and uh and boom i'm thankful because we are getting married in like eight days congrats thanks dude you know, the internet thinks you're already married. I feel yeah, like. and, yeah. And it, honestly, it's, it's something that's so personal to me that I don't, that I'm not out there like trying to promote it. But since you asked me, it came up cause that's honestly what I'm thankful for. But yeah. it's so personal to me that, um, that, you know, for me, like to have a, a wedding in the ring would be like the opposite of, of being really close to my heart. You, you, know? you but, might have to wear that ring all the time. I don't know. Yeah, it's up to yeah, you. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It won't, it won't be a, we won't be uh, conformist and the wedding is not going to be your average, um, you know, wedding that you're used to because uh, we are both, uh, um, you know, nonconformists uh, in our own way. But um, we're also going to say something about the ring. No, something about the wedding, something about uh, personal. Mm, what was it? Damn it. We were closing. And I was mm, the real was RVD on mm. Instagram. We'll go with that. We'll go RVDCBD.com. RVD. Always so good to hang out with you. Cool. Thank right you on, so dude. much. Good to hang out with you. Sorry I didn't give you the WWE uh, Hall of Fame imprint on your knuckles. Uh, next time. But I usually give. But yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Good luck with the show. This is an awesome studio. Thank you, brother. I'm sure you'll do well with it. And, uh, let me know when you're in Vegas. I'll let you know. Sweet. Thank you, brother. Boom. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.